Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. Happy Labor Day, everybody. This is Tim Priester from Irish Illustrated, a two-man team today for Irish Illustrated Insider. And we're joined by John Bryce of Football Scoop and Irish Illustrated as well. John, we are uh, we're about ready to put this Tennessee State game to bed, uh, having actually rewatched it on Sunday. Uh, I know that you have seen it as well. You know, it was a it was a good all around performance. It was a great performance at times, but everybody has said, including Marcus Freeman, it was a little bit sluggish defensively. They were. How many uh, missed assignments did he say they had in the first drive? Three or four? Three, yeah, three MAs in one drive. Yeah, um, and it apparently it was it was player and coach driven. So you know you're gonna you're going to have that. And and Marcus Freeman pointed out they've played two opponents that haven't hadn't played a game yet this season. And even Tennessee State, you know, even on the FCS level, but with a a, a former great player as their head coach in Eddie George and a good coaching staff. They, they found some things to exploit, but the fact of the matter is that's now two games that Notre Dame has not allowed a touchdown, and through two games, Notre Dame's outscored its opponents 98-6. to six. So they're doing a whole heck of a lot more right uh, than they are wrong, which is necessary because they have to head to NC State, Raleigh, North Carolina this weekend. Yeah, and I think uh, to your defensive notes, not allowing a touchdown. Offensively, as we've noted, that's nine for nine, scoring yeah. touchdowns in nine first-half possessions. Um, Tim, we know good and well a year ago there were times Notre Dame couldn't score on air on the practice field. And so I don't care who the opposition is. When you go nine for nine on first half possessions and you've scored 63 points in the first half of your first two games, I think that's setting a standard. I think that's uh, really encouraging. And I think that shows you you've got a trigger man that's very quickly becoming in complete control of this offense and, again, continuing to sink with offensive coordinator Jared Parker. One other thing I would note about the the Irish defense struggling a little bit earlier um, against Tennessee State before adjusting is that, look, that was Tennessee State's first game. They had all summer long to prepare for Notre Dame to try to show Notre Dame something that um, the Fighting Irish had not seen on film. Notre Dame was playing its second game. They had spent all summer preparing for Navy a, a week earlier in unconventional football at that. So, um you know, you, like you said, Tennessee State has a good coaching staff. I listened to Eddie George on Friday at length. He was really interesting. They're doing things the right way, uh, and they had schemed up Notre Dame, but Notre Dame adjusted. Notre Dame showed that I think it's better uh, equipped to make in-game adjustments now under Al Golden and this defensive staff because it is year two. Yeah, and you mentioned Jared Parker, and I think this is kind of going under the radar, and I realize why it's going under the radar because you played Navy and Tennessee State, but Man, the transition, you couldn't ask for a better transition. A lot of that has to do with Sam Hartman, a quarterback. There's no doubt about it. But, and, th- and this came out of Dublin, and I think it it it, it still stands that the, the lines of communication offensively have been very, very good. Uh, Jared Parker up in the booth has, it's been, it's been seamless in terms of uh, passing on information from up in the booth down to the field. That part has been very good. And we're, you know, we're not, ultimately we're not going to judge the job that Jared Parker does based upon games one and two, but there are opportunities coming up and you have to say, I mean, you just have to, there are several, it's like I said about, you know, bad opponents. You can play really well, you can play mediocre or you can play poorly. Um, They have played really, really quality offense with Jared Parker as our offensive coordinator. I completely agree, Tim. And again, like there's so much new in this. It's it's Sam Hartman new to it. It's Jared Parker calling plays in full command of the offense for the first time uh, since like a, a six game stretch at West Virginia three years ago or something along those lines. So I do just think it, it's very encouraging. I also think you can learn a little bit. Yeah, the Notre Dame offense hasn't been in any high pressure, high leverage situations overall. But Jared Parker, in my opinion, has had some of his best calls on third and long, on some other key down situations where you think, okay, Notre Dame is going to have to turn to its secret weapon, Bryce McPherson, and instead they convert a long third down. We have seen Notre Dame convert long uh, long third downs beyond the sticks 
in each of the first two games. And again, that's things we never saw that offense do a year ago. Marcus Freeman uh, told us the uh, the award winners for the week. Uh, Audric Estime, the offensive player of the game. Howard Cross, the third, the defensive player of the game against Tennessee State. And then Jason Onye gets the uh, special teams award for getting a paw on a, a field goal. If I saw it correctly, it was actually the back of his hand that made contact with the football because he got spun around a little bit by the blockers. So those were the award winners for the week. And then the scout team, Sam Pendleton, the uh, freshman offensive guard, gets the offensive award. Cole Aubrey, who's a walk-on defensive lineman, gets the scout team defensive award. I don't know that he was credited with a tackle, but I know that he contributed to a tackle. Let's put it that way. And then Trey Reader, the uh, the scout team special teams player, of the week. We move on to we move on to NC State and let's while we're there let's go ahead and address address the injuries John. Um Gabe Rubio will still be out for this game. Did have a, have his knee scoped. So I think Ohio State I think you mentioned that in our instant analysis is what their target date uh is for his return. Devin Ford did suffer a concussion. He's in concussion protocol. I wouldn't anticipate him being out an injury that we were not aware of. I'd have to go back and look to see where it happened because Matt Salerno didn't get a ton of snaps. Uh, so it probably happened late, but Matt Salerno suffered a lower leg injury and it sounds pretty significant. So he's going to be out. It sounds like at least through September and we'll measure it from uh, there moving forward. And then we do expect Drake Bowen to be back. He had, uh, he was in concussion protocol, uh, which I believe Irish Illustrator was the first to report that. Um, and so he missed he missed the game, but he is expected back for NC State this week. John, uh, any anything else from from what Marcus Freeman talked about? What we talked about with him, other than my desire to have his sport coat to wear on Saturday in Raleigh? Uh, anything else from today's gathering with Marcus that you'd like to share? Yeah, that that sport coat was clean. That was uh, that was a really good look, man. That uh, that was impressive. You know, I think it's just. Uh, Marcus continuing to to preach to the guys uh, one play, one life. He said, look, I'm not going to say the first two games don't matter because they do. We only get the 12 opportunities, but he made it clear. They know and they're stressing to the players that it, it's a kick up in competition this year. It's a notch this week. It's a notch up. This is, uh, as O'Malley likes to say, this is the real beginning of Notre Dame's season. And this is one of those 12 opportunities that Notre Dame works so hard to prepare for. I thought it was interesting when, when Marcus was asked about uh, Sam Hartman's past struggles with, with NC state. And when, when Sam was at wake forest and um, Marcus didn't completely brush it off, but he made it clear they're worried about taking care of things inside the Goog and taking care of their team. And they're not spending a lot of time looking at uh, what might've happened three or four years ago for Sam Hartman against NC state. You know what? We, we are going to touch upon NC state a little bit today. I think, Marcus Freeman talked about this week's opponent more in this single press conference than in all the preseason ones about Navy and Tennessee State, and rightfully so. And I do want to point out the fact they've got a couple really good coordinators. Rob, Robert and I, the offensive coordinator who has, who has coached against Notre Dame each of the last two years at Syracuse last year and at Virginia the year before. Their quarterback at Syracuse last year gave Notre Dame a little bit of trouble before Notre Dame pulled away. And then two years ago, uh, Brennan Armstrong, who's now the quarterback at NC State, was injured and did not play in the Nordane Virginia game. So it was difficult to assess a nigh uh, at that time. But Tony Gibson's a guy, he was on, I'm pretty sure he was on Marcus Freeman's list of defensive coordinators when he was looking at at, uh, at guys to succeed him as defensive coordinator, coordinator after he became head coach. But that's a good coaching staff. Uh, we know what Brennan Armstrong's capable of doing with his feet. I'm not discounting what he can do with his arm because he threw for over 4,000 yards two years ago, but he did not look sharp Thursday night throwing the football uh, in the in the UConn game. And I know UConn plays good defense under Jim Mora, uh, but it, it, it I mean it's an interesting matchup and it takes it up a couple notches. Because, you know, anytime you go on the road, Notre Dame has defeated 28 straight ACC teams in the regular season. But uh, but this is a bit more of a challenge heading into Raleigh. 
And I haven't gotten to fully dive into the NC State roster to see how many of these players there are. Uh, but in speaking with some people, uh, even though there's not a great number of returning starters overall for NC State, there are a larger number of older players on this roster. They have had some guys uh, taking those six years of eligibility, much like Notre Dame is benefiting from that, not just from Sam Hartman, but in some key spots on the defensive side of the ball as well. So this will be uh, two overall fairly mature teams that are going at it Saturday. Uh, again, I just uh, it's early in the week, but I like Notre Dame's physicality on the offensive line, and, and I like Notre Dame's overall explosiveness and give the edge to, to Notre Dame in both of those categories. I, I would agree with that. I also think that we're going to see a better version of NC State this time around again. I know, like I'm watching this game on on uh, Thursday night and on the message board, and I know a lot of people are discounting UConn, and, and I get that, but it is a Jim Moore coach team, a physical team, a team that won one game in 2021 and won six last year, basically with defense. So, um, you know, they gave NC State a little bit of trouble. They have a. It's interesting. They have a freshman receiver by the name of uh, Kevin Concepcion, KC Concepcion. And he was ranked, I believe, like number 585 or something along those lines uh, in, in his class. And he's really emerged for, for them. He has uh, he was an early entry and established himself in the spring. And they they love what he can do. Uh, Terrell Timmons is another guy that um, uh, he did some good things against UConn. He had a. Uh, uh, he drew an, I know he drew an interference interference penalty in the in the end zone and and uh, was ready for a hot throw early on. So they have some components. They did not play well defensively. And you're right, JB. I mean, they did lose guys uh, defensively. I think they only had five returning. I think it looks to me like they run a lot of three three five or a lot of three man front stuff. And I really like uh, Davin Van, their defensive end. Yeah. Uh, Changed his number from 45 to number one. I couldn't find him for a while the other night. Uh, CJ Clark is a veteran nose tackle, but they did not play. They didn't play well at all uh, against the run. They gave up a 70 some yard run to uh, one of the running backs for UConn that was recently, recently tracked at 23 miles per hour. So once he got an edge, he was difficult to, to contain, but I, I did I didn't think NC state, Played very good football the other night. I expect a better performance from them this Saturday. Yeah, and, and they do. Uh, Tony Gibson's been around a long time. Uh, he got a really rich contract extension after this season, uh, after the 22 season from NC State when, when Dave Dorn and company were able to hold on to him. Uh, so that's encouraging from an NC State standpoint. It shows you what they think of him. Uh, and Anai has been a good offensive coordinator. I will point out the fact that um, Notre Dame has seen him at each of the past two seasons, and Notre Dame has overall handled him very effectively or handled his offenses very effectively. Now, I know in 21, uh, the Cavaliers didn't have Brendan Armstrong for that game, uh, but they were limited to just three points, and Marcus Freeman's defense held Virginia in that contest to around 275 total yards uh, a year ago. Syracuse scores 24 points in that game, but but Notre Dame was in control most of that contest, and again, I think that um, Syracuse had maybe 280 yards total offense in that game. So um, Notre Dame has faced this offense two years in a row, not with Brennan Armstrong directing the offense, but Notre Dame has faced this offense. That has to help, and Notre Dame has had measurable success against this offensive system of Robert and I. I think that also has to help. Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand based in Indianapolis. They emphasize their commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They feature a growing collection of over 150 colleges to choose from, including, of course, Notre Dame. Homefield designs are super unique because they delve into the archives and history of each school using unique logos, mascots, and iconic moments to create thoughtfully designed apparel. They're all about authenticity and nostalgia. I'm telling you guys, give their site a look. It's not the typical Notre Dame gear you usually see. You can find them on homefieldapparel.com where you can see their selection of colleges available. And guess what? Our listeners get 15% off their first order with the discount code Irish Illustrated. It's the perfect apparel to get you ready for the upcoming season. So check them out. Coming up, segment two, burning up the boards. 
If you're coming to a game this season, you have to check out Game Day Your Way, the official tailgate service provider of Notre Dame. Game Day Your Way offers everything you need, including tailgate gear, catering, and even beverage delivery right to your spot. And their Irish Express transportation from Chicago allows you to tailgate while you travel to their all-inclusive party zone in South Bend. Let Game Day deal with all the hassle so you can focus on the fun. For tailgates, tickets, transportation, and more, visit gamedayyourway.com. Some things are just made for each other, like tailgates and touchdowns. We're adding one more pair to the list, Aer Lingus and college football. Join us in Dublin this August for the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Too soon? Plan your winter or spring break now with non-stop flights from cities including Chicago, Boston, Los Angeles and New York. Fly in comfort to Dublin, our European hub. Go coast to coast and discover the sights of Ireland or explore any of the 50 plus European cities we connect to, including Amsterdam, London, Paris and Rome. Visit aerlingus.com to book today. Segment two, burning up the boards. We start with a question from Dutter25 and that is this. Josh Burnham really stood out to me Saturday. Do you see him being a part of the regular rotation moving forward? Yeah, I think he has every opportunity to to be a part of that. I think Notre Dame is very committed to playing eight to ten guys along the defensive front. We've heard Al Washington talk about it. He believes in preparing those guys to be ready to play any given week, and he's doing nothing um, but earn the opportunity for more playing time with the way he's showing up on the field. I would, you know, I mean, he he's listed at both the Viper and the strong side defensive end. I I, I said it in today's. Um, uh, what's it called? We got so many things I can't even tail the tape. I said tail the tape today that you know I wouldn't mind if he took some snaps away from Nana Osafa Mensa. And I don't, you know, Osafa Mensa is. We've always talked about how fundamentally fundamentally sound he is, what a team oriented player he is, how he he plays his role of one eleventh very well. And I'm not suggesting that he should not be in the rotation, but he's not the playmaker that. Javante Jean-Baptiste is. He's not the playmaker that even Josh Burnham has shown himself to be in the first two games. So I don't, you know, I don't know exactly, you know, maybe the best way to handle it, JB, is to to spot spot him on both sides, at both ends, Burnham I'm speaking about, give him an opportunity on both sides uh, because he is a legit pass rusher and really beyond, you know, Jean-Baptiste and, and, uh, and Jordan Botello, I'm not sure which one of those other defensive ends you could say is a legit, consistent rusher of the passer. Well, and, and the thing is, he played very limited snaps on Saturday. He got more action than the week before, but he was super productive in the time he was in there. Three tackles and yeah. two quarterback hurries. Two of the 10 official quarterback hurries that Notre Dame registered on Saturday were from Burnham. And uh, to your point, Tim, and it makes a lot of sense, we hear these coaches, especially um, Al Washington, talk about uh, position versatility and cross-training those guys. And he wants them to be able to play multiple positions. And Burnham certainly is flashing the potential to do that. Yeah, I like what I see, you know, and and one of the things that I was looking for from him was, okay, does he set the edge? Is he responsible for that? And there's one play where he sets the edge and then he has the quickness and length to go ahead and make the tackle too. So he has some, he has a skill set there that really only JJB and, and Botello have. And I, I think that we'll see more and more of him as we move forward. Yeah, again, I completely agree. Now, uh, a young guy who's not there physically quite yet, but we saw it in, in preseason camp. We saw him flash as Bubakar Traore. He's got some of those natural skills and that natural ability to rush the passer. He's just got to continue to get more comfortable in the defense, to get more comfortable at the college game and, and learn the playbook more. But when you talk about a guy flashing, you know, we've seen Burnham do it on the field. We've seen Bubagard do it on the practice field. Yeah, and, you know, when they were recruiting him, I, I, I said he's not a Viper, and then he showed up in Notre Dame, and he's a Viper. And, that's ex- and they need that very much so. Question from Indy Bass, 2001. How do you feel about the new clock rules? I don't like them. Arizona ran just 55 plays. Chip Kelly and Mac Brown both called it out. The ratio of actual football plays to media breaks makes the game feel really disjointed. Wondering what you guys think and if they'll review it after the year. Yeah, I think um, they'll review it, but it's still going toward this 
um, dynamic of wanting to shorten the games and wanting to appreciably shorten the games. I do think that has been the case, uh, particularly the the Notre Dame Navy game for multiple reasons. That was a very brisk opener overall. Um, some of my colleagues at Football Scoop are actually working on this. Apparently, um, commercials are now responsible for like an hour of the entire viewing experience through the first couple of weekends of college football. So if you've got a, a game that's lasting um, two and a half hours and then you've got commercials accounting for uh, nearly an hour part of that, it, it really is ridiculous. I do believe the games have uh, been a little bit disjointed. It's also a, a growing period where everybody is adjusting to that. Um, but, but look, Notre Dame got four possessions in the first half against Tennessee state. It got five possessions in the first half, or excuse me, four possessions against Navy, five possessions in the first half against Tennessee State. Um, that's fairly on par with, with what was happening a year ago when teams would would expect to get nine to 11 possessions in a game. Yeah, I've talked to, you know, we've talked about this on uh, on the podcast before that, you know, talked to officials and they were anticipating eight to 10 less plays per game, but it seems like it's more than that. I'm going to follow up with a couple of people that I know in the industry and we'll talk about that further. I, I, I should have more information on that by Thursday, but the fact of the matter is that, you know, Tennessee state has Nordin marches down and scores. And then Tennessee state has the football for a, a 15 play drive. Well, at that point, the first quarter is, is, uh, is, is pretty much gone. It was hard to, it was hard to judge it based upon playing Navy because we know how a game against Navy can be shortened, but to answer the question, will they review it at the end of the year? Yeah, they'll review it and they'll probably say, great, this is exactly how we want it because they wanted to short, shorten the games. Fans don't like it. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, the, the, the media, I think was looking to, for something a little bit shorter, but not quite that fast. Uh, you just wonder, you know, because, okay, no, we're, we're getting into the habit of, of watching Nordame score every time they have the ball in the first half. But what if you, what if you have some self-inflicted mistakes? What if you have some misassignments? Now your opportunities to score are limited. I realize it's equal on both sides of the fence, but fans don't like it. Uh, but TV does and all the college football, the powers that be are going to like it. And I don't think that they're going to want to do anything necessarily that changes it. Question from DJSJNDFB. Will we see less DJ Brown in the starting linebackers this week and more younger safeties and Jalen Sneed? I'm just going to start with that first question, JB. Yeah, um, look, this is a coaching staff that has made it very clear. They're going to tailor their game plan week in and week out to be versatile and to stop the opposition strength. Um, DJ Brown has played so many games for you. I think he's played well. He's he's come up and been more physical uh, in both games this year. I, we've seen Snead. He's being used more and more in some key situations. He's being asked to rush the passer more in key situations. I would expect absolutely for that to continue this week uh, against a guy like Brennan Armstrong because Snead can be back there so quickly um, that you've got a chance to completely disrupt Brennan Armstrong. And then uh, even if Snead can't make the tackle, he can disrupt it to a point where his teammates can flow into to Armstrong and make a play in that regard. Um, but you're not going to see Notre Dame just abandon what it's been doing uh, with success uh, because, again, those three linebackers have played so many games together. They know what to expect. They've played this offense now, as we noted earlier in this podcast, each of the previous two seasons. Yes, different personnel, but they faced this offense each of the previous two seasons. I still think there's tremendous value in facing an offense for the third time in a row and knowing what you're going up against. I, I don't I don't understand the question because why in the world would you want to see less of the starting linebackers? You're at DJ SJNDFB. Um, I, I don't understand what games you're watching because Notre Dame's linebackers are playing really, really well. I understand the question about DJ Brown, and yet that's the veteran guy in the back end of the defense uh, that 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 helps orchestrate everything move from the back moving forward. More of Jalen Sneed. I counted four times where he ran by plays on Saturday. So I know he's an exciting talent and a great athlete. And when you turn him loose on the pass rush and he has a direct path to the quarterback like he did on one snap against Tennessee State. Yeah, that looks great. But Nordame's linebackers 
collectively, that's one of the best units in the country. So I don't know why in the world you'd want to take those guys off the field. The second part of the question, JB, was why has Golden's L. Golden's defense started underwhelmingly the last two weeks? Marcus Freeman addressed that a little bit today. Yeah, and again, we touched on it earlier in this podcast, maybe even in instant analysis after uh, Marcus Freeman's press conference, and and that is, look, they have seen they've been confronted with two different looks in each of the two games from Navy and Tennessee State that are not anything they've seen on film before. Uh, and again, Notre Dame was the opening opponent for both Navy and Tennessee State. I think that's significant. It gave those coaching staffs extra time to prepare new wrinkles on offense and to pre- prepare ways, uh, ineffectively, mind you, to try and slow down the Notre Dame offense. And uh, I think that's it. I think that, um, to me, yeah, you want to see Notre Dame start a little bit more uh, efficiently on defense. But what I take out of that is we're seeing this Notre Dame defense better able to adjust uh, in games right now because they have so much more command of Al Golden's offense. I just think they're they're more nuanced, excuse me, in Al Golden's defense. I just think they're more nuanced in Al Golden's defense. So I would be more concerned if you saw teams coming out of the halftime and running roughshod down Notre Dame's defense. I think starting a game, you're seeing stuff you've not seen. They still haven't given up a touchdown. Um, I love the adjustments that they're making in-game and the way they're playing beyond that. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, we realize the opponents, but they're like number one and number two in scoring defense, yards per play, yards per rush. Uh, Red zone, they're five for five. Okay, I guess they could be perfect, and and they, they could have come out super sharp in the first drive of each game. Uh, they didn't do that, but uh, yeah, you know, missed assignments. So JB, you, you don't, you don't want to see that. Uh, I don't want to say that's it's inexcusable to have missed assignments when you're playing a team that hasn't showed its hand yet and you have to start out against them, but they need to tighten that up way, way, way more is going well for Nordheim's defense than, than poorly. Yeah, uh, agreed. And, w- and we'll see this week. Um, again, that they faced a more traditional offense this past week against Tennessee State. They're going to, again, face an offense with which they have more famili- familiarity this week against North Carolina State. I can't talk there. You can tell it's a Monday. Um, but I-, I think that they're adjusting well. They have to come out and do some things better. They had some MAs against Navy that they were lucky didn't cost them uh, and cause them to give up a touchdown. But again, like we've talked about, coaches love that. You get dominant wins and you still get plenty of teaching moments. And Notre Dame has had plenty of teaching moments. Question from Go Irish 82. Who is the best player on defense to spy NC State's quarterback? And what are the negatives about spying on a quarterback for the defense overall? I, I would say I would opt with either Bertrand or Kaiser if you decided you wanted to spy Brandon Armstrong. You could do any of the three. Certainly Maris would be very capable as well. Um but I like Bertrand and Kaiser for that role if, if Notre Dame opts to spy. Obviously, if you're spying the quarterback, you're taking one guy away from either helping in your pass defense or attacking the line of scrimmage. And so the, it's a little bit of a rub to how much do you want to spy Armstrong and, and take an element away versus do you not want to spy Armstrong and free those guys up to play free on every play? I, I hesitate to suggest that they do something really elaborate or too much because. When we talked about an instant analysis, um, you know, you can have him corralled and he still finds he still finds a way to drag you past the, the yard marker for the first down. My first instinct was Leofile, just because I think there's greater range there. And he's really, really I mean, we are now starting to see what Le- Maris Leofile is capable of doing. Let's see him do it against more quality competition. But, man, he looks really, really good. He would be the first guy that I would suggest, but either of the other two are very adept at it. I'd probably pick Kaiser second uh, just because he is a little bit uh, rangier of the two between him and Bertrand. Uh, but, but as you said, JB, you don't, you know, you're spying somebody. So you're defending a guy behind the line of scrimmage as opposed to turning your attention to defending him beyond the line of scrimmage. That's the nature of the game. That's the nature of spying a player, but I don't think you want to overdo it um, because I think what you would rather do is clamp down on the rest of the skill position mm-hmm. people on offense for NC state. And I think Notre Dame is very capable of doing that as well. 
And I think if you if you have an effective pass rush against NC State on Saturday, then that changes all the variables as well. So um, I think uh, we keep talking about wanting to see more from the pass rush. They had 10 quarterback hurries officially this past weekend. That was an improvement. They have to take another step forward. If, if the pass rush is improved, I think that does so much for your linebackers as they look to uh, defend Brennan and Armstrong. Yeah, I mentioned this in tail the tape today. I mean, you know, the first reaction is, well, they're not getting enough pass rush. And, and make no mistake, pass rush ha- was at the top of the priority list going into the season and at the top of the concern list. And we saw L. Golden blitz a ton. I'm interested to talk to him, JB, on, on Tuesday, just about his intentions, whether that was a Tennessee State game plan per se or something that he wants to do more and more. But getting back to the point about the pass rush, you can't base everything just upon sacks, they had 10 hurries, and one of those hurries by Howard Cross the third led to the interception by Ramon Henderson. So, uh, you know, as long as you're disrupting the quarterback, sure, you'd like to get five or six sacks. And frankly, Tennessee State averaged allowing three and a half per game last year, and you kind of expected that to be the case on Saturday. Uh, they weren't able to quite ke- catch up to two of those quarterbacks. But as long as they're putting pressure, you'd, certainly you'd like to see pressure on the quarterback with the straight four-man rush. Uh, they didn't approach it that way too often, quite frankly, against the Tigers. Yeah, but but to, to your point, or to both of our points, um, 10 quarterback hurries and they forced a couple of turnovers, um, which was an improvement from the week before, both in forcing turnovers and then obviously more opportunities for quarterback hurries. Here's another element that, that I'll leave this one with, and that is, We saw it all throughout camp. Al Golden has a lot of blitzes in this defensive package. He's been able to install more blitzes, again, because it's year two, because of that familiarity. And so because of all those things, we haven't seen all there is to see whatsoever from this Notre Dame defense yet because they've been able to play relatively vanilla. They haven't had to uh, unfurl some of the exotic blitzes that they have that is based on the fact that guys are familiar in the system. There's trust in the system. There's trust in one another and there's experienced players out there to execute them. Yeah. And one of the reasons I'd like to see Burnham Moore is because I think that he can help give them the kind of pass rush they want in a straight four man rush question from Kay Beasley, which concerns you more against quality opponents the defensive line against the quality offensive line or the Nordame receivers against a good secondary that's an easy answer for me jb that's an easy answer for you um i would probably say the the defensive line would be mine um because notre dame hasn't had thus far this supreme pass rush and um it's just harder to cover now i, I like notre dame secondary but you can't ask guys to cover on and on and on, especially with an Ohio State coming up in a couple of weeks. So for me, look, I was disappointed at times that I didn't think receivers got as open as they could have on uh, Saturday against Tennessee State. But I'm basing this more off of um, my concern is on the defensive line because Notre Dame's offense has Sam Hartman, and I believe that much in his ability. I should, I should, you know what? I should take that back. It's not an easy answer for me, but. I will say the Nordame receivers against good secondary, partly because of what you said. There wasn't a ton of separation. Sam Hartman, just by his very presence on the field, the way he throws the football, the accuracy, the timing, he creates open receivers or he throws receivers open. But there are some good secondaries coming up. We'll talk more about that as we move forward. NC State does have a couple of good corners that you have to be concerned with. I would I would say the latter of the two just because uh you know I continue to harp on the two guys that you know we didn't ask about Deion Colsey. He didn't play a whole lot on Saturday, but I continue to harp on the two wideouts that I would like to see step forward. I think I think Rico Flores is a guy that is going to step forward. And if that is the case, um uh, that may take some snaps away from from number five who has struggled, but at least he got on the board Saturday. Um converted a third down, even though he sat down in the, like literally sat down uh, it, it, against the zone to get the first down. But those guys still need to stand for a uh, step forward. A question, double question here from Jack Mac 99, as predicted, the running backs have been excellent. Who do you think has been the most impressive so far? And then from Ohio ND fan nine, who is more electric 
Jadarian Price or Jeremiah Love? All right. I will go with maybe my most impressive so far would be Jadarian Price because he is, um, I guess, now 13 months, 14 months removed from an Achilles tear rupture. That's supposed to be the uh, probably the most painful and difficult sports injury from which to recover. Uh, he's been good. He's playing a at a foot in the ground and scored off of a handoff. He's caught that screen pass we saw or, or slipped out of the backfield and got, got that pass from Angeli the other day, made a really decisive cut and took off. So I've probably been more impressed with most impressed with Jadarian Price, even though I've been plenty impressed with Love and Audrick Estime, who, who had a big workload and did not fumble this week. I would say the more electric would probably be Jeremiah Love. We talked about it again, leaving the stadium today before we filmed our video. And uh, I said then, the guy looks like he's always on the verge of planting one foot, making a cut, and being gone. And Jeremiah Love and Jadarian Price are now at the top of the uh, kick return depth chart with Devin Ford out. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna separate Audric Estime from the other running backs because I mean his body of work is much greater. He has 29 carries. The second most is Jabron Payne with 12, and the other three have single digit rushing attempts. I think Audric Estime is being um underrated a little bit right now. He's averaging 7.3 yards per carry. I know he fumbled, which is a which is something that can't happen. You don't want to happen. And so that's kind of a nick against his, his mark, but he is averaging 7.3 yards per carry uh, and still gives you all those tough yards of the other guys. I mean, I, you know, the guy that I'm, the guy that I'm most impressed with is Jadari and price. And part of it is because we know that, and he has six carries for 30 yards, but a couple of touchdowns, one through the air and one on the ground, but he's the guy that I think, I mean, I just think that when Jadarian Price is fully healed from from the Achilles injury, which we're looking at a year from now when he when he should be fully recovered, and and it's not it's not that he's still injured; he's a hundred percent healthy. It's just a matter of having that full amount of strength in the Achilles and the calf that connects to it. I, I, I think Jeremiah Love has a great future ahead of him, but I think Jadarian Price's upside is probably the highest of, of all of those guys. And again, don't want to underestimate uh, Audric Estime in any way. No, a, go ahead. Go ahead, JB. I was just going to say, and, and can't answer that question without giving a hat tip to Jabron Payne, not, not as the most impressive, um, but maybe the guy who's come the furthest since he got onto campus to have a meaningful role. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it, John. And I, and I, you know, I do like, I think he's got really, really good vision. I mean, I think that's one thing that stands out when you watch his runs, you see his eyes and how he reacts to, to daylight. And then when he finds it, he's pretty, pretty quick and pretty slithery. He's not a real big guy to begin with. His pad level lowers a little bit more. I think, you know, I think he's done some, actually, quite frankly, I think that he's looked better and done more in the carries that he's had than I anticipated he would. So, you know, I mean, a lot of times this whole stuff about four-headed monster and five-headed monster can be overplayed, but it is not overplayed in this instance. Those are five quality backs. I'd probably put Payne fifth, and that's a bit unfair. It's just because the other four are that good. Yeah, and, and there's great versatility among that group. They all can do different things and do it well. I think that's another huge asset for Notre Dame as this season continues to unfold. Interesting question from Play Like a Champ 7. Do you think that how much Sam Hartman distributes the football to different players negates the need for a true number one receiver? I saw that question on the list and, and sort of circled it in my mind as a really good question and one that I would look forward to answering because I do agree with with the question. I do agree with that sentiment with the fact that Sam Hartman doesn't have to be locked on to one guy because, again, Notre Dame uh, is getting the ball distributed among a number of people because of Sam Hartman and because of that that group of tailbacks that we just alluded to. They're so they're so versatile and they're so dangerous in their own uh, each respective methods and, and skill sets that I think, yeah, Sam Hartman, has distributed the ball. Uh, I guess seven different guys now have caught a receiving touchdown. Five of uh, Sam has six touchdown passes. Five have, of those have gone to different players. So, yeah, you want to see a guy 
that makes opposing teams nervous that they feel like they might have to bracket at times. Um, but you need that true number one receiver, I think, more when you have a less proven quarterback than Sam Hartman. I would, that the last statement you made, John, is what I would agree with. I but I can't I can't agree that they're like negates the need for a number one receiver. You everybody wants a great receiver on the field. You know, so mitigates. Maybe I should have said mitigate, mitigates. mitigates. Yes, mitigates would would be the right word because. Hartman Hartman is throughout the course of the season is going to make a lot of receivers look very good, but I can't, but I can't say that it, it, the question was negates. I think mitigates would, would certainly be the answer. Everybody look, I sure would sure wish Jordan Addison was in uniform for Notre Dame. Uh, you know, this fall, the guy from Pittsburgh and USC that was a first round draft choice and now in the NFL, but I thought it was an interesting question. Uh, and a good one because I do think that it does mitigate it to a large degree. If, if I can make one point, um, and I think we're in agreement here, but look, I don't know that anybody has better wide receivers overall than Ohio State, and look how ineffective overall Ohio State was from an offensive standpoint yeah. this past Saturday against an Indiana team that I think is going to play its way to having Tom Allen on one of the hottest seats in all of college football this year. And so um, because McCord couldn't distribute the ball uh, as effectively as what Sam Hartman does. It didn't matter that they have a guy that's projected maybe the number one overall pick and certainly a locked top five pick in Marvin Harrison Jr. And maybe another another first-round draft pick with Ibuka as well. But, no, there's no doubt about it. Ohio State has some some issues to deal with. be very interesting to track them. You almost would like to play Ohio State right right oh, away right yeah I mean, I, yeah you wish if you were Notre Dame you would give anything to have that game this coming Saturday night yeah, inside Notre yeah. Dame Stadium now it's still going to be about a month before that happens or, or a handful of games anyway so they'll deal with the elements when that comes up we have a question from N.E. Davis 2 when was the last time Howard crossed the third had a bad rep and what are his NFL prospects he's a player man he's a player he is a really good player he's a really good college player um teams especially the meat market that is the nfl combine they'll knock him on some of his size stuff but what he will do when, when that time comes is he'll impress with some of his testing numbers guys on the team have told me that howard cross is absolutely one of the strongest players on the team he uses his um somewhat undersized frame as an advantage he doesn't make it any sort of disadvantage he doesn't talk about it being an obstacle he has learned to utilize his frame and make that a benefit for him and uh he's got great uh low center of gravity he does a good job with leverage he's very quick and active he's got just a number of great uh traits that make him a really highly valuable college football player one of those traits john is he has fists of steel everybody talks about the size of his fists and the way that he uses his hands and it's what makes him a, a really really good college football player but at six foot oh six foot and seven eighths 288 pounds I know frequently when there's a player that size we hear the name Aaron Donald used Aaron Donald is a complete total freak of nature to a large degree Howard Cross is too I, I always felt coming out of high school that he was going to be a good player at Notre Dame just because of the quickness off the snap of the football. I didn't realize how well he used his hands until he until he got to Notre Dame and you started hearing about hearing from coaches and players about what a great job he does that. He had bad reps, not very many. I mean it, it, you can count on him. He's played two very, very good football games. You can count on him being quick off the snap on a regular basis. He will run into some size coming up that will that will probably give him uh, some some trouble. So NFL prospects, I don't like to predict a whole lot of that. Um, I generally talk about, you know, uh, uh, about a quality college football player. He is indeed that. I wouldn't put anything past him because I think that he's the kind of guy, especially the son of a longtime NFL, uh, longtime NFL player. I, I I would think that he could hang around in the NFL for, for a considerable amount of time. I don't know how high his upside is, John. I, I, re I really don't because it's very difficult to project on the NFL level. What do you think NFL-wise? 
I think he's a guy that um, probably ends up as a late round pick or a priority undrafted free agent. And then I love his chances to make a team once that happens. Uh, interior uh, line help is so valuable in the NFL. It's so needed. Um, maybe he ends up as a practice squad guy who gets uh, called up to the main roster after there's an injury. Uh, but again, I think he's going to test incredibly well at the combine. We've all talked to him. We know he's going to do a fabulous job when the time comes in those interviews with NFL teams. Oh, yeah. And I have, I've, I have zero reason to believe uh, or to bet against Howard Cross because his whole career, he's continuing to defy expectations. He should move on after next year, but I do want to mention that he does have another year of eligibility that would be really huge for Notre Dame. But, you know, I'm not sure that there will be more he can accomplish on the collegiate level. So uh, I would imagine if he stays healthy all year, I don't, I don't think there's much more that he can prove here and he needs to move on. Question from Manantai. I think that's a play on Manti. Maybe we can get an explanation of that because I think this is two weeks in a row that we've used a question from this person who stood out in your mind among the second and third teamers against Tennessee State. While Steve Angeli seemed poised, he certainly benefited from elite playmakers versus their counterparts. Uh, for me, I'm going on the on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, we've already talked a lot about Burnham. He's a guy that I think is just doing nothing but continue to earn more playing time. Uh, I love seeing more of Rico Flores. He was targeted a bunch, uh, even some by, by Sam Hartman, even though they didn't connect. Uh, and then – Jay Nosberry is a guy that I continue to be really impressed with. I love watching him uh, on special teams. He made a tremendous effort tackle on special teams Saturday where uh, I think it was on the long gainer, and he came back across the field, tracked it down, made the tackle, just showed effort and instinct there. He just keeps showing up, uh, whether it's on special teams or now getting some reps uh, and some snaps with the second-team defense. Uh, so those are the guys that stood out for me. Yeah, some of these second and third teamers kind of blend together. I, I I love Rico Flores, as you mentioned. I I think that his his playing time is going to in, increase. Jay Osbury, wherever the football is, Jay Osbury is. It's it's as simple as that. We saw it in the spring. We saw it in the blue gold game. We certainly saw it the other day when I checked the stat sheet. John, they they had him for three tackles. I could have sworn he had twice that many. He's just around the football. I think he's a really, really, he's going to be a really, really good college football player. And when Notre Dame has to transition at linebacker this year, which they absolutely will have to, um, I, Jay Nosbury is an automatic insertion into the, the starting lineup. Triore is, again, we were talking about him, what he looks like coming off the edge. Burnham's not really a second or third teamer anymore. He's kind of a, uh, you know, first guy off the bench kind of thing. And I think he's doing some good things. And I, Antonio Carter, the second, we didn't get a chance to, to see him in the second half because of the unfortunate targeting penalty, but I can see, I can see Notre Dame inserting him more and more as we move forward. That, that safety situation has gone from a huge question mark in the spring or post 2022 into a real strength for Notre Dame. We're going to wrap up with a question from Welch, Brian, 1112. What concerns you the most heading into NC State, the noon kickoff, Sam Hartman's past performance at Raleigh, or overconfidence after two dominating wins over inferior opponents? Um, you know, I don't know that it's any of those three. I think the noon kickoff is a benefit for Notre Dame. Uh, it lets Notre Dame get in there, not have to sit around all day. I know players don't like sitting around and waiting all day long for a kickoff, especially on the road. Um, and I don't think there's overconfidence there. My, my biggest concern would be Notre Dame's offensive line against North Carolina State's defensive line. That's going to be by far the, the strictest matchup that they've had to this point. That That's no great revelation there by me saying that. But that, to me, is, is the number one concern. I'm not worried about what Hartman's done in the past because he didn't have the same talent he has around him now. He didn't have two future first-round draft picks as his starting tackles. He didn't have a stable full of guys that I think will play in the NFL at the running back position, on and on and on. So to me, my concern is the offensive line against the defensive line of NC State. Yeah, I'm encouraged. Again, I go back to that <coughs> game. I'm encouraged. We're both coughing over here, JB. I, I'm encouraged by the success that UConn uh, had against NC State's defensive front. I expected more. They were 
you know, you look at the numbers from last year, people always say, oh, well, that was last year. There's there's usually a continuity between last year and this year. It does it doesn't just change overnight. And so I know I, I agree with you. That's a that's a good defensive front, but I was encouraged by what happened um, happened the other night in Thursday night's game. As it relates to Hartman against NC State, last year at NC State, he was 29 of 48 for 397 yards and two touchdowns, but he had three interceptions. So that <coughs> excuse me, that stands out. And then in 2020 at NC State, he was 23 of 36, one TD, no interceptions, 236 yards. I guess those are average numbers. I agree with you. He didn't have the he didn't he certainly didn't have an offensive line in front of him like he'll have this Saturday at NC State. Uh Tony Gibson is a good defensive coordinator, though. So that's always a concern, and it'll be a, a, a really nice first legitimate test as OC at Notre Dame for Jared Parker um, against a, uh, you know, a, a defensive line that we expect to play better than we saw this past Thursday. And then a coordinator that I'm sure uh, has some things for, for Hartman and, and Dave Doran, I'm sure feels like, hey, we, we've got we've got something that can slow Sam Hartman down. We're going to run Go ahead, Jimmy. Uh, I just want to make one quick point about the the so-called Sam Hartman struggles. And, yeah, he threw three picks last year in that game at NC State. You want to know why? Because he had a, effectively no running game whatsoever. They finished with net 17 rushing yards in the game. There's not a chance Notre Dame's going to be bottled up in the ground game like that. And I did notice to look further ahead, Wake Forest could not run the football at all this past weekend. So uh, down the road, that'll, that will still be a poor running team and they won't have Sam Hartman at quarterback for Wake Forest. We're going to wrap it up with that. John, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. We'll be back at it on Thursday, September 7th, when we delve more deeper into the NC State Wolfpack. Until then, for John Bryce of Football Scoop, I'm Tim Priester from Irish Illustrated, and this has been Irish Illustrated Insider.